can worsen your mental and physical well-being. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, the OECS Commission and UNICEF. morning and welcome to the show. It is a beautiful Tuesday. It is June 23rd, 2020, and my name is Tresha Lionel. And of course, thank you so much for joining us for morning's discussions and interactions, which of course everyone is tuned in on Hits FM 92.1 in the north and 91.1 in the south and also streaming, looking at it being streamed live on Facebook and on Instagram and of course channel 124 right there on Flow. Um, and in particular, I would really like to say thank you to everyone watching in the South. I know a lot of people do watch religiously um, at St. Jude's. I know the members there, the staff members there also watch as well. So when I heard the news this morning that about a dozen or so, more than a dozen um, staff members stood out in protest, they left their posts and they stood outside demanding an explanation, demanding some sort of action from the authorities today um, in some sort of protest against Mr. Andrew Pilty, um, who is the human and resource manager there, who people um, seem to have a big problem with. And we saw that in their petition that's dated May 6th. Um, that was just last month, and they were saying that they could not work with that manager anymore. And, of course, there were negotiations after that, and it seems that it hasn't been working because they are now off their jobs. They're now not working. Um, so as that goes along, I would really want to let everybody know what's going on there. But we do have some images of what happened there this morning with a dozen or so staff leaving the hospital and standing outside.
So this is what's happening there right now, um, or at least about an hour ago, that's what happened there. And we know that St. Jude's and the workers have had to, the patients, the staff members, the doctors, the nurses, they've had to contend with a lot over the past 10 years, and even more so with everything going on with the pandemic um, and this economic crisis going on there as well. So yes, they're going through a lot, and we can see the frustration there and the anger, and we know that when it comes to the medical profession, most people cannot take these forms of action. So we do know that some of them are janitors and working in the lab, a lot of people there, the IT services, and some other people. But they are also very important for the smooth running of the institution because we know that it's a makeshift hospital. It's been there for 10 years. So everybody really does have a place, and they're all very important at this time especially. But for us to go back and look at the petition, which was dated May, May 6th, if we can put that up, on there. Um, for me, at first when we, we did that, and I think that was the second day of the show um, that we ran that story, and for me the wording of it was so powerful in that it's not diplomatic, and if I could read it in its entirety, I think it's now more important now than ever to, to listen to that. And it says, and it's addressed to Mr. Wayne Harrow, Chairman of the St. Jude Board of Directors, and also CC, there's the Mary Isaac, Minister of Health, and also the National Workers' Union, um, sending that as their negotiating agent. It says, we, the undersigned workers employed with the St. Jude's Hospital, wish to convey our total dissatisfaction with the overall approach of the human resource manager, Mr. Andrew Pilty. We have sacrificed much over the last decade, going above and beyond to ensure that the South has a functioning medical institution. We have been patient and continue to work under the conditions of a stadium because we know that more is expected of us. We expect our managers and the board to be mindful of the daily stresses that we encounter. However, we find ourselves at a crossroads where the constant daily belligerent behavior displayed by Mr. Pilty can no longer be tolerated. We are not ch children. We are not... <laughs> Where am I? We are not children. His abrasive and aggressive manner is having a negative impact on the operations of the human resource department. He constantly shouts and uses offensive language in his interactions with staff. He shows no empathy, nor does he express a willingness to amicably deal with matters. We have tried to get the board to address this matter uh, through the union. We know that the union has brought to your attention. We are tired and fed up and something needs to be done. We will not work with him any longer. This is not the St. Jude's Hospital. We have sacrificed for over the years, we hereby call on the powers to address this immediately. And that was there on May 6th. So um, what happened after that was, of course, negotiations. It was in the news. The Labour Minister, Mr. Stevenson King, the National Workers Union and their representatives also coming into meetings. And the last I heard was earlier this month that he was put on administrative leave, um, that Mr. Pilty was put on administrative leave. Um, and I know, of course, that a lot of people are frustrated with what's going on. And I think with everything happening economically and otherwise in the country, the, the people in St. Jude's, the patients, the people of Viewfort really do need a you know, solid and smooth running of this hospital. So it has to be addressed immediately. That's my, that's my uh, thought on it. But I also want to know more information. And I think I'll have to go there. I'll have to go there and try to speak to people. But I also know that a lot of the hospital workers do not feel comfortable being interviewed for fear of victimization. We also know that the board has some, somewhat 
somewhat been in disarray. The St. Jude's board with uh, Dr. Ulrich Mondesi resigning a couple of years back and um, now having this new head. Um, but now I think we should look back also to the leader of the National Workers' Union, Ms. Solis Myers, who spoke just a few weeks ago, I think three weeks ago, on that situation. Let's get right into it. Talk to me about this um, petition. Okay, so the NWU is the bargaining agent for workers at St. Jude Hospital. And around, say, the first week in May, we would have received a petition signed by almost 100 of our members indicating an unbearable situation that they have been experiencing over the last couple of years as it relates to a particular human resource manager. Now, we would have brought up our issues of concern to the board and the chairman, but specifically the chairman, as it relates to the approach of the manager in question. Unfortunately, um, it's taken a while for anything to be done. So we believe it at a burning point right now. We are at the crossroads that something needs to be done. Um, as it's affecting the morale of the workforce down there. Um, we all know the situation with St. Jude's. These, the workers there have given up their all. They've been in a stadium for 10 years now, trying their best to keep um, that road medical institution running in the south, and they've done an excellent job of it. And we're at a point right now where we keep saying we need to make sure we do everything to maintain a level of stability, a level of collaboration, compromise, cooperation, um, consultation as it relates to the working environment there. So as a result of that, we would have received a petition, which we support 100%. It has been forwarded to the relevant powers that be, including the chairman of the board, um, along with the minister of health. Um, the labor department also received a copy as well. What exactly are they asking for? Is it change behavior or change in person? Do they want this person removed? Well, what we want to see is get a meeting going with the board, the manager in question, the union, and let's see what can be done, because we cannot pre and exactly what will be done because obviously we have to let the process go through. But as I indicated, it's at the crossroads right now and we need to get the matter resolved as soon as possible. So we have to allow the process to go through. But as we have our normal grievance processes when workers would do anything that would warrant a hearing, they have to go through the process. The same would be the approach in terms of a manager. If there are any complaints or grievances against the individual, he or she must also be given an opportunity to have their side of everything good. So we're asking for the process to go through. Let it play out as it will, and then coming out of the process, whatever outcome that is taken or decision taken can be justified because we went through the proper process. What is um, the, what are the workers willing to do if um, nothing, you know, nothing changes or it doesn't come into their, you know, what they were expecting? Well, as I indicated, we have a process. So if we do not get, at least from our standpoint, just, um, justification or satisfactory outcome in terms of all of the complaints we've been experiencing and also reporting. There are steps in the process. So we have our range in which we could take it to up to until the Minister, Minister of Labor in terms of if we have to end up there. But we're really hoping we could get this resolved as soon as possible without going through that whole long process. Any concerns that with the whole pandemic, the crisis, um, the, you know, the health situation that we're dealing with, plus now this uh, management um, situation, administrative, um, you know, sort of inward politics thing going on. How do you think that, how do you think that, that spreads out, especially if you think of, you know, society and people hearing about this? Well, I can tell you that the staff at St. Jude's are very dedicated, very loyal, very committed. Um, they have been able to make that hospital work in the environment of a stadium. 
And no matter what, I think at the end of the day, they always have at the at their core that they are serving people, that they are saving lives, and they are helping the wider community. So even though they experience whatever it is on the work floor, they come to work every single day knowing that it's a service that they're doing and that they will continue to do the service. Now, having said that, when you have people under these stressful circumstances, you must ensure that the work environment you report to every day is amenable, that you can speak to people, you can cooperate, and you can expect mutual respect from each other on the floor. So that is the situation we're dealing with, and we're really hopeful that we could get it addressed and resolved as soon as possible. Thank you for talking to me. No problem. Have a good day. All right. Bye. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye. Now that was Miss Myers there speaking with me a couple of weeks ago, and today she also went to the scene, and um, I think she spoke with a lot of the people there. Uh, we'll have more on that later on in the show. But um, what happened immediately after that was that there was a meeting, and it was agreed that Andrew Pilty would be would be on administrative leave, um, and there was also an agreement that there would be an on-the-spot investigation that would be conducted by an impartial and independent person on the veracity of the claims made by these staff members, and also an agreement that there would be more and better negotiation um, for wages and other things like that. So that was the last thing, and that meeting was held on June 3rd with the Labour Minister also in um, in that meeting as well. So for me, it's St. Jude's, again, with everything going on, and we have heard the stories of a lot of people individually going through a lot at this time, again, with no um, stimulus helping them um, to assist with the economic fallout right now and with what's happening at St. Jude's. For me, again, it's really personal because it is in the South, it is in Viewford, and we need a real functioning hospital. And when you have the staff members frustrated and they have to work with people who are sick, um, I think that is not a good combination. And that's putting it mildly, by the way. Um, but for now, again, let's go to Mr. Ulrich Mondesi. And the board of St. Jude's also has been rough with a lot of issues. Um, many people have tried to get any information at all. Not information, I'm trying to get a comment, somebody to speak with me. And while they will speak with me off camera or give me some information, nobody wants to come out to see exactly what their issues are. Um, but I think, again, right now, the time for us to look back on the people who've had a lot of the issues and seeing it in real time come to pass like that. I think um, hearing now from Mr. Eric Mondesi on why he resigned the board, um, that too would make a lot of sense at this moment. When you are on a board, the rule given to you is the rule you carry out, irrespective of whether you talk about politics. It's not relevant to the job you're given to do. Principle is principle, and basically that's what we have to do on a board. And when you see on a board you have people trying to better each other rather than bettering the lives of the patients and the staff on the hospital, then justice is not there. Who pays the price for all of this? The patients. Can we allow that to continue? Someone has to speak on their behalf. That's what I'm here for to do. The chairman of the St. Jude's board says he will not rest until the move happens this year. Dr. Mondesi also had some poignant parting words for those in whose hands the decision-making power lies. You have a hurricane season coming. All these hazardous roofs we have there, what is it doing for us? We've got to move. If a hurricane hits St. Lucia, what happens to these people? The roofs are already falling down. 
the plywood has already fallen down. You're looking for a disaster which is worse than the hospital when it burnt. Have a conscience. There has to be a moment in the life of a politician when his conscience has to take over his love for power and replace it with power to love the people who put them there. It's about them. Your legacy does not lie in what you've done for you, but in what you've done for others. That's what it is all about. Now, in recent times, we have seen, just last week and the week before, uh, protests. We have seen the Black Lives Matter. We have seen the St. Lucia Labour Party in the South. We have seen the uh, Shastri must go um, drive around the island. They would have been to the... Um, the legalization of marijuana, which was already being planned, but it didn't come through. And now we're seeing this other act coming out. And Pamwekidi, Pamwekafe, you can clearly see that there are a lot of people with different factions, various, different, several factions, again, dissatisfied and frustrated with a lot of the inner workings of these different institutions, mostly because of, you know, leadership. And what people are saying is poor leadership and an abuse of power there inside the St. Jude's Hospital. And whether it's, you know, sort of microcosm of what's happening in our wider society, then, you know, that's another discussion that we need to have, and we will um, in other shows. But for now, I think we should take a break. And when we come back, we'll, of course, try to dissect some more the Prime Minister's, um, what's it called, the blood and faith um, appearance over the weekend. We'll have that and more in just a minute. Welcome back and thank you so much for staying with us. Um, <laughs> I looked at, of course, Blood and Faith over the weekend and a lot of you never did. You'll never watch it before, but you'll were in it too. I saw there were about hundreds of comments, hundreds more views, um, thousands of views going into the thousands there on um, Choice Television and being on Facebook as well. So a lot of people were really interested in what the Prime Minister had to say. And for me, what struck out, a lot of things did, but... Um, the nice lady was speaking about Parliament and how it's a dishonorable house. And the Prime Minister also put in his two cents. And I also remember him being part of it, him being part of not listening. In fact, I've never heard or seen anybody else do that, but he completely did not want to listen to the speaker at some points. And um, even within the 
the presentation, the, the talk show that time over the weekend, Blood and Faith. Um, I, I thought it very interesting, the things he had to say. So take a look with me. Let's, let's take a look. United we stand, divided we fall. Divided we fall. So I, I, I was speaking to somebody, I think it was this morning, and I'm saying there was a time when I used to hear the Speaker of the House talk about this honorable house. Mr. PM, this house is no longer honorable as far <laughs> as far as I can see. That's my opinion. It's a dishonorable house now. Because I see sometimes one person speaking, that person just stop and interfere. And one casting remarks and then that one shut up and all this kind of in the house. What I would say to you, Mother Collymore, that the dishonor in the house, in my opinion, is not what we're saying to each other, but it's not focusing on the people's business. Mm. Okay. The, the point of all of us in the house is to try to bring clarity. Difference of opinions are, are allowed. Mm -hmm. um, but as long as they're going to be based on facts, and they're genuinely what you believe. Mm -hmm. But it's a, one, a house of one-upmanship. A house that has become about the politics and not about the people's business. The people, right. And this is what hurts me sometimes. Mm -hmm. But these are the paths that people choose. And if the opposition or other members of the house believe that that's the best way to go, their day of judgment will come. And misleading. Just like the, when the member... When the member came, lies, Mr. Lies, Brown, lies, Mr. Lies. Prime Minister. Talk about you want to come in and tell me that you care. Madam Speaker, I'm very happy for your, your judgment. I mean, and, and just for a point of a clarification, if one what? goes... Um, no, Prime Minister. Prime Minister. I just wanted to make the point, Madam Speaker, because, you know, it's, it's all a learning issue for all of us. Understanding uh, orders point... Prime Minister, please take your seat. Thank you. And Mr. he said Prime right Minister. there in front of us, right, that we were misleading the House. Honorable Prime Minister. Impossible. Honorable Prime Minister. Honorable Prime Minister. You cannot stand and say you're not going to withdraw a statement. I'm not going to withdraw it. So you're going to have to take whatever action you want. What? But I'm not withdrawing it. Honorable Prime Minister, I'm going to ask you, please, to withdraw the statement. I'm not. Bad boy. Okay, so um, that's happening there. And for me, I cannot compute. I can't, it cannot mesh together what's happening in Parliament, what has happened on several occasions, as, you, as you've seen yourself, and now this contrite person coming in and saying that, you know, it's, it's for the country, and he hates as well to see Parliament in such disarray. But, you know, it is the silly season, so we'll see a lot of that um, going on. And for me, I also found it interesting, the apology that was issued uh, during that show as well. And for me, I always thought, what makes an apology an apology? I know when you're younger and something happens and your mother say, apologize to your sibling and you say something like, uh, if I hurt you, well, I so I'm sorry. And for me, that is the equivalent of what the prime minister issued um, over the weekend. If I hurt you, then I'm sorry. There was no accountability. There was no acknowledgement for any wrongdoing. If 
I hurt you, I'm sorry. And from the very beginning, if you've ever been to preschool or infant school or anything of that sort and had any tips with anybody else, you know that the teacher will be like, what are you sorry for? What are you going to do? What's the restitution? How are you going to make it up? What are you going to do? So, um, but before we get into that, let's just remember exactly what was said. You know, um, you asked me, um, do I sleep well? <laughs> I told you I sleep very well. Praise God for that. Because I always leave revenge to the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's it's not great. for me. That's right. He's the judge. And so even persons who um, believe that they're hurting me, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I remain very focused on, on what we're trying to do here with the government. Mm-hmm. And so I want to take a, a page out of your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to say to your audience that if in any way that I have done anything mm-hmm. to hurt anyone, um, to upset anyone, mm-hmm. be assured that that was not intentional. That's right. And I ask for your forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, and I ask for your blessings. Right. Um, I am a human being like everyone mm-hmm. else. I, I can say to you that I genuinely try to do the things that I think that are right. Do they always come through? No. no. But no. I know that I did it for the right reason. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can re-question my reasoning to make sure that I don't make that mistake again. But certainly uh, there is nothing that I'm doing to try to hurt Anyone, and I'm certainly trying to do things to help um, build a a new solution. And just like yesterday, when I said I wanted to hear more of what you did wrong and how you're going to, um, in real time right now, uh, show some real um, contrition by making certain things, like by saying certain things, like addressing to this uh, state of the emergency, addressing the unilateral decisions being made, the high-handedness that has been with a lot of the um, discussions that you've been having with the National Trust and some other people as well, um, maybe to Jeanine Compton and the Compton family as well, an apology directly to them and some restitution for that as well. So for me, it is about acknowledging that there was wrong, knowing that you were wrong, and saying it, and what are you about to do now? And because I was so interested in an apology, and also how some people, especially in news, and I've, I've seen that too, how an apology can be used as manipulation. And if, you know, you've been in relationships, you know when you're just saying sorry, say sorry, and to finish with something, or you accept an apology, but there is no changed behavior. Um, and it comes to the same thing. It's about relationships with people and politics is the same thing. Um, Our governance also is the same thing. It's all about people. And for me, I was really interested when I heard a TED Talk explaining the science of an apology and the three things needed when there is a genuine apology. If you really want to see great examples of really bad apologies, look at the news. My God. (laughs) Okay, first element. Acknowledgement. Lucy came to me. She was very upset. Her fiancé had broken off the engagement. She said she had been badly mistreated. She said he insisted on an apology, and I told him I had nothing to apologize for. said, so what, I was late, and you and your friends missed the show. I read the show wasn't very good anyway, so, you know, they didn't miss much. You know, just hearing her side of the story, I could see how self-centered she was. Lucy could not acknowledge any wrongdoing. And that's one of the reasons why she had difficulty with her relationships. An acknowledgement should start with one word. I. 
and a clear statement of the transgression. Now, for argument's sake, let's say Lucy went into analytic therapy and she's working through her narcissism. She could say, I am very sorry, I was wrong for being late. That's inconsiderate. I'm just giving you that one part, the acknowledgement part. There's more. But let me use case examples to talk about each part. The second part, an expression of remorse and empathy. Now, we all know people who use the apology to manipulate other people, such as manipulating them back into the relationship. Jake, who would drink heavily and become emotionally and physically abusive to his wife, Kathy, said to her, I promise it will never happen again. And he went on to say, I prayed to Jesus, and Jesus forgave me. Do you think you're better than Jesus? She didn't know what to say. I did. I said, Jake, Jesus may forgive you. Kathy does not have to forgive you. You're the one who beats her. And you're still being abusive for making her feel bad for not giving you what you want. Now, Jake doesn't have the capacity for remorse and empathy. Remorse is truly feeling bad for the hurt you cause someone else. Empathy is a deep understanding of another person's feeling frame of reference. Again, for argument's sake, let's say Jake, now Jake is never going to be going for therapy, is not a psychopath. And he does have the capacity for remorse and empathy. He would say something like, Kathy, I love you. I hate the way I've treated you. I don't like myself when I do that. I can imagine how you feel. I remember how it felt when my father did that to me. It was horrible. I'm going to work to be a better person. Whether you forgive me or not. That's what it would look like. Restitution. This is the part people often leave out. Lenny came to me and he said, My wife is still angry with me after my affair. I apologize and apologize and she's still angry with me. I told her it didn't last long and the sex was disappointing. What Lenny didn't understand, he had to negotiate a fair restitution with his wife. He didn't get to set the restitution unilaterally. He didn't get to set that a certain number of apologies or she should be over it by a certain amount of time. What do you think is a fair restitution for bad governance? I think when I heard that, and that um, talk, that TED talk was from Robert Gordon. It's really, really interesting, and I want you guys to watch it in its entirety. I couldn't play it all. It would take up the whole show, but I was riveted. And um, (laughs) so with everything going on, it talks about restitution. And for me and for you, we'll have to decide whether we're going to accept our prime minister's apology um, and if we do what do we want in return how is he going to make it up for make it up to us and can he even um, these, these are some of the real um, decisions that we have to make I have made my decision I think that there is no coming back from that I think even if it there it was 
to me, it didn't seem sincere. Everybody has to make their own decisions on these things. But for me, it didn't come across as sincere. And the restitution for me is, you know, he cannot do anything at the moment right now to um, appease me for the four years that has gone by. Um, and the decisions that he's made in giving off a lot of the land where I live in Viewfort, and for many, many other things to numerous to mention. The show only, we only have about 30 minutes left. Um, but in that same vein, I was thinking with so many things happening in the country right now with everything going on, it would normally be Calypso season and the 10 pinners would have had a great time right now. But I do know that a lot is going on and they would make for good Calypso and with the social commentary of it. And I like that one person in the name of Sherwin Dubes Bryce took it upon himself to have a a virtual Calypso competition because, you know, everything going on there right now, it would be great Calypso. And um, he had something to say, which I thought was really interesting. And let's take a listen. Greetings. Good morning, everyone. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank you for the opportunity to sit down and talk about this Um the Voice of the People online Calypso competition is something that just came about as a necessity. Someone made a post online on Facebook. I think I was one of the people that was actually posting to, and it sparked the idea that we need to start creating Calypsos. I know I had made a post about it, went a little bit ignored, but then, you know, someone else made one. I responded and I said, Mecca, you're going to respond to and whatever resources we have, we're going to put it behind it. So... So Keen Media, a company that's run by Keen Mecca Carter and supported by Dupes Did It Music, myself, decided to create an online Calypso competition. One of the things that we're hoping to accomplish is to bring the medium, bring the art form to the masses, bring, the, bring it to the whole world. Like, why has our music been so... I don't even know how to say it. There seems to be a bottleneck between the recording, the release winning the, the, the championship, winning the crown, and then we just hear nothing until the year goes. These stories still have value. These stories still have meaning. And I feel like they're not digitized in a way that the world can appreciate them and take advantage of it. So that's why we created this. So we started by just helping people create Calypsos. And we're like, well, if we can help people create Calypsos, then we should be able to help them have some form of a competition. And that's what we're doing. Since the advent of COVID-19, since the advent of the lockdown, we know that the sector that has been greatly impacted, majorly impacted, was the creative industry. So we've seen people go from performing in hotels, looking forward to shows, looking forward to tours. All of that is done. All of that is dead. So now it's all about bringing your creative product online and monetizing it exploiting it for lack of a better phrase um when you're in the publishing industry we talk about songs as th things that we exploit it's not a bad word but it, we understand how it can be abrasive during this time calypso has been neglected you know a lot of people have eventually made calls they said hey what's going on why aren't the calypsoans being um recorded and we're like yo i don't know let's get to the bottom of this so that's what we did Another thing we're hoping to accomplish is that at the end of the day, we get the stories of what's happening right now told. Um, I always look at music as like a time capsule. So we did The Great Lockdown, which is an event with 50 artists from all over the world, four nights, still available online. It was something that people could enjoy and people saw music from Barcelona, from South Africa, from St. Lucia, from Dominica, from New York, from Boston, from 
from down south in America, just people telling their stories, you know. Um, so we want to do the same thing for our culture. We want to be more focused and more precise, and we want to do it for the love of Calypso. So if you're watching this, if you're watching this and you're trying to figure out how do I get involved, well, you go to Facebook, you go to Instagram, and you head over to Sokeen Media, S-O space K-E-E-N space media, M-E-D-I-A, and you send a direct message, you send an email, you let us know, hey, I'd like to be involved or I'd like some more information, and we will contact you with how you can be involved. We're looking for songs that are already recorded. We're looking for songs that have been written and need to be produced and recorded. This thing is an initiative to help the whole industry. So we're hoping to get more studios involved. We're hoping to get the writers involved. We're hoping to get the bands involved as much as possible whilst recognizing the protocol. <laughs> we're not going to make it through the year without music. We're not going to make it through the season. It's bad enough. We don't know what's happening for... I mean, we know that there's not going to be the traditional carnival, but that doesn't mean the music has to stop. And um, I'm just excited about this. If you're asking why not Soka, I'd love to do Soka. If you want to do it for Soka and you want to partner, anybody has any ideas, hit us up. But, you know, Calypso is the art form, man. It's, it's, the, it's the initiative that started all of this. And, you know, that's how I started as a musician. When I saw the Calypsonians, I saw Everyday Guy come and telling his story. I was like, Maybe I could do this. So I want to play my part. I want to show my appreciation for the art form. And I'm looking, I'm just so excited to have this happen. So like I said, so keen media on Facebook or on IG. Let's get, let's get it. Everybody be well. Everybody stay safe. Hope to hear from you soon. Take care. Bye. Now, I agree with you. And thank you, by the way, for allowing me to uh, call you at 7, 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, I appreciate the, the interview and you agreeing to it. Um, but he is right that right now we really do need music because with everything going on, especially with Calypso, you get the social commentary of it. And anyone who's interested, he just gave you know his information that you could go and be involved. Um, but for me, it also called into what's happening and i really love calypso and one of my favorite calypsonians has a song which is nothing if not social commentary and of course it's a bit funny um and a little bit of everything else and when we look back into history it's telling a story of what's happening now with our um you know reopening the economy and other things like that so this is invader with his new song Everyone got afraid Because this virus are joking Is a killer on the rampage He ain't got no cure Can't find a vaccine Once you open the door Covid come rushing in The only precaution From this pandemic Is to close the borders And to close it quick We have been so lucky No one is dead yet We better move quickly before we regret so Keep the borders closed, PM Keep the borders closed No need to expose Lucian Keep the borders closed Alan Every border PM Garçon Keep the borders closed Keep the borders closed, PM Keep the borders closed You must cover your mouth and nose, PM Keep the borders closed Alan Every border PM Every border Garçon Every border 
to ensure patient and first responder safety, the St. Lucia Fire Service has reviewed its patient transfer procedures, especially for patients with respiratory distress. Face masks will be provided. At no time during transportation should the face mask be removed. Please be patient and cooperative during this time to ensure you receive the best possible care while keeping our first responders safe. Identify with the most pulsating, the most riveting, the most eye-capturing UTV. To advertise with UTV, dial 484-7588 or 572-7588. For some of the most competitive rates, amazing programming, and bang for your buck. The most popular streaming channel, UTV124 on Facebook. Get it now. Check us out on Instagram at UTV124. Email us, utvslu at gmail.com. UTV. It's not just for me. It's definitely TV for you.
thanks for staying with us on Hits FM 92.1 and 91.1 on Facebook as well. And of course, on channel 124 on Flow and on Instagram. Uh, we will open the lines at 572-7588 in just a minute. Um, but before we do, we know now that the campaigning is in full effect. We heard the leader of the opposition announcing it, uh, confirming that they're really now into um, campaigning mode. And we're seeing them, thanks to Miguel Fevrier, a reporter at NBC, um, getting some images of, of that situation. Um, I don't know whether Pierre will be arrested very soon for what he's doing. Clearly, he's campaigning and, and, and you know, talking to people and not adhering to these um, COVID protocols. So um, we have a video um, of that happening, a report there in Chozelle. Alan Shaste may have started before him, but the leader of the opposition and SLP political leader, Philip J. Pierre, began making his rounds on the build-up to the next general election. On Saturday, June 20th, numerous residents of the Chozelle constituency hosted a series of activities in anticipation of his arrival. Now, while a candidate has not been named as yet, the SLP's political leader met with the constituents to highlight his plans for the country if elected. By the time we got wind of the activities and our cameras arrived at the West Coast community, a meeting with numerous Schwarzel business owners had just been completed. But we did follow his contingent as he met with residents of Balka along the way. And one of them was a family deeply rooted in support of the Labour Party. His speech is not so good. He's, he's, he right. has a blood clot. Okay. How are you? No, he said eight days ago. He's taking blood thinners. We continued to follow the opposition leader, accompanied by the party's newly minted PRO Mondi Lewis, Fort North MP Moses Jabatiste, and Ansari Canary's hopeful Wayne Girard. From Balka, Pierre visited the community of Cedars, also known as True Teague, and it is there the campaign appeared to have kicked off. Philip J. Pierre, the St. Lucia Labour Party's political leader, was greeted by dozens of residents with enthusiasm. So for me, I applaud you for that, for showing up and coming to show that to get to know the people of Chutig. You understand? I really, really appreciate that you show up here. Because right now we need to make some changes. I'm sick and tired of the more of the same. Okay? Very, very sick and tired of more of the same. So I would like to know who, maybe that you may not be able to answer this right now, that you'd like to represent yourself. You know, because right now, some people don't have it anymore. They're fed up. They had enough. We have had enough. We asked the residents to weigh in on the current MP's representation over the past four years. 
No, I do not have one. I do not have a representative. And Marija is saying that to you, huh? That is true. Marija, I have never seen a rep. I'm Central Labour Party for a very, very, very Mr. Long. Bradley Felix is your current rep. I've known, I know this gentleman, but he's not my representative. Why not? What do you mean, why not? He's not. He's not representing me. I have never seen him. You have never spoken. We need better roads in Chuzel, especially right here in, um, in my neighborhood. Was that a promise on the campaign trail? Um, it, it has always been a promise on the campaign trail, but so far nothing has been done for the people of Chuzel. Some people say he's doing good. Some people say, well, he's not going to too bad. But as far as I see, he was in my area when was that day before yesterday, I think he was there. But I don't know, but he don't talk, he don't talk to me. You know my house, he to me. Did you vote for him last election? Yes, I voted for him. Oh, you voted for him? Yes, I voted. And you, so you essentially say that you, you feel like you wasted your vote? Yes, yes, I wasted my vote. But what I was expecting for, I don't get What do you want to see for your community well, moving forward? What I want to see, I see a lot of young fellas around here. All the young fellas I see, they vote for him. And all now, them fellas there without work, they're not getting nothing to do. No work, nothing. We're not getting nothing in life. Like Our road needs fixing, repairing, and not repairing. Fellas need work, then no. The only person that giving us a work in La Fantasia right now, the only person well that gives us a bread is the, the owner of it. Past four years, they haven't done anything really. It's just come and talk, Parliament just borrow money, and they haven't done anything. As the election is close right now, they're trying to do all their projects right now so people can see that they're doing work. I heard somebody say on Facebook that 200 jobs that the government have done and I haven't seen any jobs that the government have done. If somebody can just show me one that they have done and said, hey, they have started from scratch and completed, I'll be satisfied with that. But apart from that, I'm not satisfied with anything the government have done for senior. And as the leader of the opposition departed on foot for his next destination for a meeting with the Schwazelian fishers, his contingent was followed by the dozens of residents, a group which included, as we learned through our interviews, supporters of both political parties. And their chants amid the carnival-like atmosphere were directed at the current administration. Operation remove Shafne. <laughs> yeah. We're letting them know. Shafne, you have to go. That is the man. Right here, Philip Champion Shafne. You must go. Your days are numbered and you go on. Tikwa, Bradley, Tikwa. And the king's welcome, a sign saying, quote, Fishermen of Schwazel welcome Philip J. Pierre, next Prime Minister of St. Lucia. We sat in the meeting with the fishers. So say to them, give the fishermen back at least the difference between the 150 and the extra that you need. Give back to them in vouchers so that they can buy gas for it. And very easy to do. We spoke with one of the fishermen following the meeting. The Fish Marketing Corporation, I think they, they, they did some revamping and, they, and the new management. How's that been going for you guys? Well, 
it's not that good. I won't put it that good. We sell most of our fish on the road, so it's not really that good. Compared to, to before? Compared to before. Yeah, Even before. though the money used to take a little time to come in, but at least we would get assurance our fish is secured. We would get assurance to reach home early. But we have none of that now. We have to still wake up in the morning, go and do all that, and still come back, and still go and sell that fish. And we were finally able to pull the political leader away from the throngs of individuals seeking either a photo op or a brief discussion. Some fishermen wanted to chat with me, and some people generally, they want to see me, so I just came, came along to have a chat with them. They were very concerned about the country, concerned about the direction of the country, so we came to have a chat. They were very concerned at the use of the IMF funds, because they know for themselves, you see, these days, everybody reads, everybody understands. They know that the IMF gave a loan to improve livelihoods and to supplement their incomes. And they are saying the livelihoods are affected and the income has been affected, so they are looking for some form of relief. Now, as to the social distancing part, the Prime Minister was seen about two weeks ago campaigning. Last weekend, you said the campaign has kicked off. Is this you in campaign mode at this time? No, I'm always with people. I'm just talking. I'm always with people. And the social distancing part, you may get some licks for that. No, but you see, I have my mask and I'm trying my best to do observe it. And to cap off the reception, the fishers of Choiseul treated the community and the opposition leader with a hearty feast. Fish and an entire pig slaughtered and grilled for the occasion. And before we departed, Schwazel residents directed our focus to the Schwazel field, where the lights there, they say, had come on for the first time in years. Miguel Fabry, NBC Prom. Okay, and the lines are open at 572-7588. And we see there that campaigning is going on. Um, it seems every weekend we'll see um, similar images coming about at, from both parties. But it's also insane to me that a state of emergency is here and we're having um, campaigning. Elections are going to be called soon, it seems. Um, different things are happening, but the protocols for COVID are still there. But the leaders and wannabe leaders and everybody else and candidates um, are doing what they have to do to uh, secure their seats. So for me, again, it's just, I, I don't know which one to choose. <laughs> St. Lucia seems to be in a, you know, trying to find a balance there. Um, but for me, I also have a concern with who are the candidates for the St. Lucia Labour Party for Groselet, for Ancillary, and also from where uh, Mr. Pierre was just this weekend in Chozelle. I think, of course, if you're going to campaign and officially announce that uh, it's all open and you guys are ready for campaigning without all your candidates ready. I think that's a concern that many people have, and I think that Mr. Pierre should come out, or the SLP, come out with um, what exactly is going on. And since people don't know what's happening, they have to wonder what is Mr. Bousquet doing, and that was also one of the issues that happened over the weekend. Pierre was not the only politician to receive a king's welcome. And although the event at Chazelle Saturday may have appeared to be SLP-leaning, one man known to don the UWP's yellow his entire political life made an appearance. Rufus Bousquet, recently referred to by a once-rival politician as the, quote, lovable rogue, showed up at the Chazelle Fisherman's Feast in honor of the opposition leader. He was accompanied by Tandy Flood, the former president for the United Workers' Party's Groselay Constituency Youth Arm, Bousquet last represented the United Workers' Party between 2006 and 2011 until he was unseated by Lon Theophilus. And as polarizing as his various tenures in office have been, 
Members of the community spread no effort in showing him love. But the question remained, why was Rufus Buske at the activity? Unfortunately, technical difficulties befell us before we were able to interview the former Shwazel MP. However, we learned that Bousquet had spent the entirety of Saturday walking through the constituency, meeting with various residents in political terms, working the ground. When asked if he was considering the possibilities of re-entering the political fray, Rufus George Bousquet told NBC Prime that it is a possibility. You never know. But he confirmed to us, however, that the possibility is very strong. And while he did not confirm which side, Bousquet has openly spoken against the Shastni administration, his once political allies, even offering the now popular phrase, quote, how can you form a government with this? Now Miguel saying his, there were technical issues. Miguel, your phone died and I know you're watching. Um, let us know that your phone died. Um, I would have loved to hear um, what he had to say some more. I wish I could hear, I could have gotten an interview, but I guess, you know, you were there and thank you so much for that report. We appreciate it over here. Um, so again, what are we doing? Who are the candidates? People want to know. Um, and of course, if you have any concerns or issues with anything, you could call at 5727588. Um, but we're just receiving more images, like I reported earlier, on what's happening at St. Jude's and the members, the representatives of the National Workers Union just got, I think they got there about um, 30 minutes to maybe an hour ago, they got to the St. Jude's Hospital um, site where a lot of people were there in protest and we're receiving some images and that's what we have for you. I want him this morning, I think I hope he's not the next time. You tell him that? Who's done? The um, facilities guy. I don't know. The shot ball guy. He's a suicide. I hope you don't get it down. That's because he's asking himself, man. There we go. Oh my god. That is just one image of what's happening there. But what we're hearing is that everybody is now back in and they're back at work. Um, the Secretary General of the National Workers Union is saying that um, there is going to be some more meetings and they're going to decide what to do now with Mr. Pilty. Um, I, to me, what I'm hearing from two people at least on the uh, St. Jude's um, staff is that he left the building. I don't know how long for. I don't know whether he's still on administrative leave, but we will continue to work on that story for you. And with that, though, I have come to the end of the show. I appreciate you guys watching on Hits FM 92.1 and 91.1, also on Facebook, on Flow, and on Instagram. It has always been a pleasure discussing so many different issues with you. I appreciate it, and you guys can have a great afternoon.